Hello, and welcome to ROE 17 Pod. My name is Molly Allen, and I am the Assistant Regional Superintendent of Schools for ROE 17. Today on the pod, our guest is April Sherman. April is a math and computer science teacher at Normal West High School and a fierce advocate for STEM education. She is a 2023 Disney 100 teacher, a 2023 Project Lead the Way National Computer Science Teacher of the Year, a multi-year recipient of the NCWIT Aspirations in Computing Educator Award, a 2019 Illinois Classroom Teacher of the Year nominee, and a Girls Who Code advisor, just to name a few. Welcome, April. And it's actually another exciting thing we have in common is April and I actually went to high school together, Richwood's class of 97. So it's nice to see you. Go Knights. (laughs) Yes. I was thinking this morning that if we could go back to our high school selves and say, you know, 26 years later, we'd be doing a podcast together. Right. It wouldn't make sense. No. (laughs) There were no podcasts. No, we wouldn't know what that is. Yes, which is an interesting kind of segue to our first question, which is tell us what inspired you to get into education. So as you know, at high school, I played three sports all year long and never could have time to get a job because I was always doing school and sports. That was my, my life. So right before I went to college, my mom suggested, why don't you get your first job before college? I didn't know necessarily what I wanted to major in. I think at that point I was uh, majoring in accounting. Prior to that, I thought I would do actuary science and I job shadowed an actuary and decided it wasn't for me. But I thought like engineering, something math related. A lot of my family members were accountants. So I thought I'll be an accountant. Well, my mom encouraged me to get a job. And so I got a job with the Peoria Park District. I was a camp counselor. And I realized after working with kids that I wasn't an accountant, I wasn't an engineer, I wasn't an actuary, I was a teacher. And I just knew. And I reflect back on all of my schooling in Peoria at Richwoods and prior to that Washington and then Northmore. And I I loved all of my teachers and school was always my safe place. So that is how I got into education. That's great. And you are very passionate about STEM. And can you tell our listeners about some of the STEM initiatives that you participate in and lead? Sure. It dates back several years, but when I was teaching just math, I didn't feel like there were as many opportunities. And then I, it was in the summer one year and my principal at the time called me and he's like, I see that you're certified to teach physics. Uh, Our physics teacher is gone. How would you like to teach physics? And I was like, well, I've never done it before, but I loved physics. Uh, We had a high school physics teacher who's probably one of my favorite teachers, Mr. Garrison. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely (laughs) loved his classes. And I was like, I'll do it. And then I had a great mentor, Mary Jo Douglas at Normal West, who sort of helped me through the process. And then I fell in love with physics all over again because it's like application of math. And then after about seven years of teaching physics, then that position kind of went away because I started cutting positions. So I sort of stepped back from physics and I took on computer science. And I've been doing that for like nine years. And I absolutely love that. There seem to be more uh, opportunities for STEM-related things. So I did this program through the University of Illinois called Enlist. It was entrepreneurial leadership and science teaching. I got to take some grad classes through the U of I for physics. And then after physics, now computer science opened up for me, and I've been doing a lot of work with computer science. I think I've always loved to tinker. I've always loved to play with things and technology. As you know, when Mm -hmm. we were like in high school, that's when like AOL Instant Messenger was a thing, and we could like talk to our friends through the computer. We kind of grew up in a, a cool era, a cool age, and I've always been very passionate about it. So there's just different organizations that I've helped with. And then at Normal West, I 
I'm the advisor for Girls Who Code. I run the math team. I'm also the cyber patriot coach, which is like cybersecurity. The Air Force puts on a competition, and I also help with STEM Club. That's really exciting, and it is funny when we think back that computer science or STEM was definitely not something we experienced as students in school, so it's really exciting that you now provide that. Can you talk a little more specifically about the STEM Girls program and the importance of female representation in the field? Yeah, like uh, about nine years ago or so when I started teaching computer science in my AP computer science class, I'll never forget this, there was one girl, and I'm like, where are all the girls? Certainly our population is close to 50-50. Where are all the girls? And so that's how I kind of got hooked up with Girls Who Code and learned a lot about that organization. And I applied to have a club at West and we've been going strong for nine years. And when you name a club Girls Who Code, you tend to get more girls versus just coding club. So Right now, one of my computer science classes is majority girls, which is totally like unheard of, but my other one is still low on the girl side. So just trying to like get that going. I've had great community partnerships. State Farm has been a huge supporter of getting a STEM girls initiative going. We're doing monthly STEM luncheons kind of like girls only, and then we have either a guest speaker or someone in the field like cybersecurity who came in and did different workshops with the girls during lunch. It's it's definitely something I'm super passionate about, and my work is not done. I'm just getting started. And, And to that point, what advice do you have for parents to help us encourage STEM exploration for our students? Because like you said, a lot of us didn't necessarily grow up with that exposure or with those role models, especially for young girls. So what opportunities should we seek out for kids? Yeah, going back to the question about the female representation piece, it's really important that females have a say in STEM, that they have a say in computer science. All people use technology, not just a certain demographic and so we want our classroom we want our educational experience to include all people so we really want to see more females and more underrepresented populations a whole diversity of people in these stem classes in these computer science classes to help create more inclusion more technology that is for all people not mm-hmm. just a certain population and so for parents trying not to like discourage a girl if like she wants to get into computer science or something STEM related, maybe like carefully choosing words when we think about what future careers there are. I know in the past, like if you thought of what does a doctor look like? What does a computer scientist look like? A lot of images that come to mind are male, but if parents could help show different role models that maybe are female or people of color, that we can see a whole range of people in these STEM fields and STEM positions. So that's one piece of advice is just making sure that the parents help mm-hmm. show their kids, especially their young girls, that like all people can do STEM-related fields. Hands-on activities, I think, are really important. Getting kids involved in just making and doing I know the Children's Discovery Museum is great. There's lots of museums that they could take their kids to. There's so many products these days that are STEM products. There's even like monthly STEM kits that they could get. So really harnessing the curiosity of their kids. And I I was actually on a webinar yesterday through Samsung because I got a little grant through Samsung to help solve a problem in our school using STEM. And the the question that a lot of kids are asked is, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
but instead of asking a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up, how about we ask them, what problem do you want to solve when you grow up? Because that's really a STEM-minded child, is if we can get them to start thinking about problems to solve when they grow up, then really we can help lead them down maybe a STEM path to help solve problems. So those are some pieces of advice I have. I think STEM camps are good. We just actually hosted a K through eight coding night at Normal West on December 8th, and it's a free event. I've done it, I think, nine years. I make it free to any kid, K through eight. We had over 240 kids sign up, and then I had about 70 volunteers. Majority of them were high school students because what I have the high school students do is they create the sessions and lead the sessions and teach the little kids. And it's just a great experience for all people involved. I have members of the, the community, like lots of state farm workers, teachers, other people who volunteer so that there's always like several adults in the room because I have high school kids leading sessions and I just wanna make sure everything, everything goes okay. But it's a great event. So looking for opportunities like that because they do pop up. Thank you. And to your point about how we talk to kids as a math and STEM teacher, do you find that like math anxiety is a real thing and it can often be transferred from teachers, parents, others. So how should parents be talking to their stu- their own children about math, even if say that parent didn't love math as a child? Right. That is a, that is a real thing. Math mm-hmm. anxiety. And I've heard you know, parents say, well, I'm, I'm not a math person, mm-hmm. or like a kid says, I'm not a math person. Well, what in the world is a math person? Right. So definitely parents' own experience with STEM-related subject areas, even though that might not have been your strong suit, we definitely don't want to um, discourage our kids from like thinking they can do it. I'm also a big believer in the growth mindset. So when I teach math, it's, I, I never really accept it when a, a kid says, I don't know how to do this or I can't do this. They know if I'm like looking at them a certain way, they need the word yet on the end of it. I, I don't know how to do this yet. I can't figure this out yet. So whether a parent is strong in a STEM field, strong in math or not, they can encourage a growth mindset, which shows kids that failure is okay. It's a part of learning. It's perfectly okay to say, I don't know what to do next, or I don't know how to do this, but it is never okay to say, I give up. Right. That's great. And I think even I sometimes hear from parents who are like, I can't help my kid with their math homework. Let your kid be the teacher and say, you know, you're learning math differently than I did. I'm so excited for you to show me what you can do or, you know, where you're stuck, because that does, I think, really help hopefully change the world for all of our students and especially those underrepresented groups and girls in the STEM field. So. Well, this is year 22 for me as a teacher, and I'll do the same thing with the student because some of them go home and like they program and they code outside of class way more hours than mm-hmm. I do. So I will say to them, oh, show me how you did that. I totally find learning from kids. I think if parents take that mindset as well, it might help their kids actually know it a little more too. Yeah, I always say as a teacher, you have to recognize you're gonna have kids who are smarter than you. Absolutely. (laughs) You're you're not always the smartest one in the room, certainly. So, well, April, thank you so much for your time. And, you know, we just touched on your STEM and all of your accomplishments there, but we'll have to have you back sometime to talk about softball and your athletic accomplishments. Absolutely. (laughs) I'd love to be back. Thanks. It was so good to connect with you, and uh, thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of ROE17 Pod. To learn more about ROE17, please visit 
www.roe17.org or follow us on our social media channels. ROE17Pod is produced and edited by Victoria Padilla. We hope that you join us for our next episode.